teacher friend, welcome to the Simply Teach podcast, a podcast for teachers by teachers. I'm your host, Kelly Jackson, and each week I bring you a podcast full of practical and helpful ideas from teachers. We all know that teaching is really hard work, and I want this podcast to be a place for you to not only find ideas, but to also find encouragement and motivation. Happy Tuesday, y'all. Today, I am so pumped to share with you an interview with Tania and Davis. I explain at the beginning of the show how I came to know Tania and why I brought her on the show, but we spent the first part of our conversation talking to both new and veteran teachers, uh, giving just some encouragement to the new teacher who feels maybe not validated or unsure of themselves, but as well as the veteran teacher who can feel those things too being in the classroom so long, not really feeling like you're valued anymore. So we talked to both of those. We also spend a good part of our time talking about the importance of student names. And this is why I brought her on to, to talk about this um, idea that it's so important that we honor the names that are given to our students by their mamas and by their dads. And so we're going to talk about that. I'm really excited though, to introduce you to her because she is so kind and she's so friendly. She's so welcoming I told her after we recorded that I didn't feel, so normally I get pretty nervous before recording just because I don't even know why it's just a conversation, but I didn't actually really feel nervous at all uh, before recording with her because everywhere I've seen her online, she's just so sweet and so motherly, which I guess made me feel so at ease talking with her, but y'all are going to love her and you're going to see what I'm talking about. First though, I wanted to take a second to share a recent review I got over on iTunes. So Jackie said, I absolutely love, well, first of all, her uh, title is a Simply Perfect Teacher Podcast, which I appreciate that. Uh, She said, I absolutely love listening to the Simply Teach Podcast. I'm currently student teaching and will be transitioning into my first year as soon as it's over. So exciting. Good luck, Jackie. Uh, She says, this podcast has helped me to ease so much of the anxiety I have over this new and exciting time that I'm in. I've been binge listening to all the episodes ever since I found this podcast. I love it. Well, thank you, Jackie. I am so excited for you and I wish you all the luck as you transition into your very first classroom. Keep on coming back and listening for more advice. And Jackie, anybody listening, don't hesitate to email me or shoot me a message on uh, Instagram and yeah, tell me what you need help with. Another person left a review one time saying that she needed help with um, how to do her classroom library and something else she said I sent her this whole long message like here go check this out on the blog here's this resource I have for you so don't hesitate I want to help you so thank you Jackie for taking the time to leave a review and for sending some encouraging words they help fill my bucket as well as tell other teachers that this is a podcast worth listening to so thank you if you also have a second I would really really appreciate it if you took some time to leave a rating review just like Jackie did but for now let's get into my conversation with Tania here we go Good morning, Tania. Welcome to the Simply Teach podcast. Good morning. How are you? I'm so great. I am really looking forward to talking with you today. I shared with you and I'll share with the people listening that I found you, came across you, whatever, Mm -hmm. through the Educators to Educators, I guess it was at the summer, this most recent one was the summer one. Yes. Mm Yeah. Summer, um, virtual, virtual teacher conference. Yes, yeah. the virtual teacher conference. There you go. Uh, 
And you were talking on the importance of student names and whatnot. And I listened in on your conversation. I think I shared this with you. I stopped listening to it because I was like, I want her on my podcast, (laughs) but I don't want to like expect what the conversation is going to be. Like, I want it to be a natural conversation. So I'm going to stop listening. (laughs) Um, And then I immediately like wrote your name down to reach out to you. So Mm -hmm. I really don't know a whole lot about you other than what I've been seeing on Instagram. So I'd love to have you introduce yourself to the listeners, but also to me and just share a little bit about who you are and your education background. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, good morning. Yes, my name is Tania N. Davis, and I'm currently teaching second grade. I've been teaching, it seems like, for my whole life, (laughs) basically. Um, And I love it very much. I enjoy what I do. I am the mom of two amazing daughters. I've been living in Georgia now for not quite 10 years, maybe about nine years. And I've been at my same school for about about that period of time, about nine years. Um, I have been just passionate about teaching. I think teaching is my calling. I love working with students and it means so much to me to just kind of have those relationships with them and their families. And even though I love the teaching part of it, so to speak, as far as education is concerned, I really love knowing that I am just impacting their lives and making a difference and I don't know, teaching them how to be just good human beings, I guess, more than like the math or the, or the reading or writing, so to speak. But so just, just, it adds it, Teaching is like my happy place. I'm in my element when I'm teaching and it just, I don't know. It's all about the kids really. Yeah. And I got that from listening the little bit of your presentation that I listened to. I got that feeling of like, she really loves her kids. And I mean, I think we all love our kids, but, uh, I could tell that you like really light up. Yes, I do. When you were talking about them, which I think is awesome. So how long do you mind sharing how long you have been teaching? No, I don't mind sharing. And I've been teaching about 17 years. And I kind of say about because I'm one of those teachers who I I didn't start teaching right away. I had the degree from Florida State University. Yay knows. Um, my, My bachelor's degree is in health, actually is in health education, um, okay. I thought I'll be a high school health teacher. I'll teach the kids about, you know, reproductive health and cancer and all those great things. But as you know, those teaching positions are hard to come by because once mm-hmm. people have them, they don't leave. Um, yeah. but when I graduated as a newbie, people were like, who are you? And no, I'm not hiring you. So I actually started working in community health for about five years. And I went back and got my master's degree in early childhood education. And that's kind of how I was finally able to get a job teaching, Um, But I've also moved. So I've moved from North Florida to South Florida and then from South Florida to Georgia. And sometimes you lose years. You only get credit for so many. So overall, 17 year wise. But I don't get Mm -hmm. credit for all 17 years, basically. Yeah. (laughs) Hashtag American education system, right? (laughs) Probably. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So I have two questions that I want to ask you because you have a lot of experience under your belt. So my first question is geared towards the new teacher. Mm-hmm. What encouragement do you have to that teacher that is right now in the middle of their first or second year and just thinking like, what in the world did I get myself into? How am I getting, how am I going to get to the summer? Yeah. How am I going to stay <laughs> in the in this 17 years? Yes, absolutely. You know what? Gosh, I have like so many thoughts in my head about the first year teacher. One, I would say, I think, trust yourself, embrace who you are, know that what you have already inside of you 
really at this moment is enough. Um, you are enough. You are valuable. I know sometimes when you're a new teacher, you feel like maybe you're not seen or heard or let people think of you as the new kid on the block and that you don't know what you're talking about. And that's natural. You kind of do have to like, you know, earn your bootstraps, you know, so to speak, and pull those bootstraps up. You do have to earn your way and people do need to get to know you, I think. But trust that what you know already is a great place to start. And I would say use your strengths. Um, sometimes even your weaknesses or what you think are your weaknesses really are your strengths. And I would say ask for help. Ask your teammates. Don't be embarrassed. Don't feel like people expect you to know what to do. And I think one of the biggest mistakes that new teachers make is that they feel like if I show that I don't know, people will disvalue me or write me off or not think that I should have been hired. And honestly, mm -hmm. that really isn't the case. You know, find yourself a veteran teacher, even if it's not one of your teammates, and sit at their feet. <laughs> ask questions. You know, oh my gosh, how did you get them to be so quiet in the hallway? You know, ask those questions. What, you know, what do you say to get them quiet on the carpet or before you start a lesson? How do you introduce that? I would say, honestly, like no question is a silly question. Um, and I would say sit with yourself kind of like get to know what you would like because you don't have to be a copycat of, of other teachers. I don't mean that in any way. I definitely mean be yourself because there's something really genuine and, and lovely already about you and you were hired for a reason. Um, and if you genuinely want to be a teacher, if you're there for all the right reasons, you know, God will bless you with what you need to do and you'll get to know your students and their families, reach out to their families mercy my soul, <laughs> build those relationships. If you can get a parent on your side, you've mm -hmm. already won that child over. Like, oh, Mrs. Yeah. Smith, you know, and, and, but, you know, positive interactions, familial interactions, share a part of yourself with your children and their families and they'll mm -hmm. come with you. And that's how you build your classroom community, honestly. So I, would, I said a lot in that answer, but, um, but honestly, just kind of value yourself and trust your, your instincts seek that help um, and just bring your delightful personality to the classroom every single day. And every day is a new day. You didn't do such a great job yesterday. Tomorrow's a fresh new start. Sit down and think about yeah. it, make a plan and, and go from there. Yeah. You said a lot of things that I like have, like I have so many things to say back to what you said, like what you just said, tomorrow's a new day. But also the great thing about teaching is that next year's a new year. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. And <laughs> I think I've said this on the podcast before, but the idea that like my husband for the next like 30 years is like in this <laughs> tunnel of like, I mean, of course he can change jobs or whatever, right. you know, but like as if teaching, it's like, okay, if this is a year from HU double hockey yes. sticks, you just have to get to the end of it. And then you get to start again, yeah. you know, and that's such a rewarding yes. thing. Um, and also what you said about like finding a veteran teacher and asking like even the what seemed like the silly questions, like how do you get them to be quiet at the carpet? Mm -hmm. I will never forget like one of the most impactful lessons that I learned as a first year teacher. I was in a master's program that um, gave me a mentor in my classroom three days a week. And she, I remember like when I think about that time with her, one of the first things that comes to mind that I learned was watching her um, keep kids on task while she was whole group teaching. And just by simply like walking next to the kid and, you know, just tapping him on the shoulder, never saying his name, never calling him out. And I like it, that still sticks with me almost eight years later. Yes. 
And those are the things that you learn, those little things that I feel like you don't necessarily get when you're in college or doing your student teaching. Absolutely. Like teaching is very much a learn on the on the ground yeah. kind of job. Every minute of the day is like, a, ooh, <laughs> a learning experience. Absolutely. It's so true. Like when I was... Um, my first year teaching, when I was teaching in Tallahassee, we actually, or they actually had a program called the Moms Program. And I forget what it stood for. It was something like Mentoring Our Something. And they had like retired teachers that would come into the classroom. Mm. I don't even know how I got connected with that. I honestly don't. But I had an older lady. I can't, I can't think of her name. I'm so sorry, ma'am. Um, but I can remember her face <laughs> and how she made me. She's probably not listening. <laughs> probably not. She probably doesn't know what podcasts are. <laughs> <laughs> She's living in Hawaii, having her best life, I'm sure. Um, but she would come in, I think like twice a week and just sit with me or model something for me, or she would make things for me and laminate them and say, this is how you use it. This is what you do. She took over without taking over, but I mean, she was there mm-hmm. every step of the way. And it was like the best thing probably ever. And I was also the youngest member on my team. I had like three teammates that were probably in their forties or fifties at that time. And they were walking and rolling. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, you know, show me, tell me, yeah. you know, the whole time. So it, it was a wonderful. So if you can find that for yourself, if your if your community has that program or something like that, you know, sign up. Ask. That's awesome. It's- was it offered through your school or was it like something you found externally? You know, I have no, I don't remember, but I think it was like yeah. through my school. I don't think it was yeah. my own, only my school. I want to say that they probably went into other schools in my, in my county also, but it was the best thing yeah. ever, the mom's program. Yeah. So my next question kind of ties into that. As a veteran teacher, somebody who's been in there a while, what do you say to those veteran teachers who are either hanging on till retirement, you know, I've only got three or four more years, yeah. or also I think there's like this, um, kind of like, you know, the new teacher comes in with all these fresh ideas and it's like almost like that the uh, veteran teacher is no longer valid or their, their ideas are outdated. What do you say to that teacher that is trying to like, you know, deal with that fresh Mm. new teachers Mm. coming in, but also like I have uh, I'm I'm having trouble forming my words, but do you get what I'm trying to ask? I totally get what you're trying to ask me. Uh, and that is such an awesome, that is a wonderful, wonderful question because I'm not quite, I mean, I'm a veteran teacher, but I'm still young-ish, so to speak. I'm in my forties, but so I, I, I do see that and I do sense that. And I do think it depends on your admin and your county and, and maybe like your school, um, what's what I want to say, like your school, um, maybe culture. culture or- thank you. Your school culture. But I do. And it's a hard question to answer because I think sometimes your administrators can sometimes treat new teachers like they are like the golden goose. And it's like, you know, oh, well, you know, teacher so-and-so did this technology or did that technology. And all of that is valuable and amazing. And I think that if you're a veteran teacher, it's important to realize your strengths and to know that on so many levels, you've got it. And teaching after some point, I'm, I'm sure you notice, know and feel this too. At some point, you're just like in the zone and like you can teach anything mm-hmm. and, you know, and you know how to get those kids going or motivate them or, or things like that. 
But I think sometimes as veteran teachers, you do fall into a pattern or a habit sometimes, or it gets comfortable or it's natural. And I think at times when somebody new comes in and they kind of disrupt that natural, like, you know, I have a, well, I won't say that. Let's just say, <laughs> I won't say that, but let's just say, you know, somebody on your team who like has a stack of worksheets this thick and, you know, every season they pull out that August folder and they're doing those August activities. And then, you know, somebody new comes along and they're like, hey, what about this? Or I know how to do a Google Classroom or, you know, I can make life easier for you. And sometimes those people, people do not want to move away from that August folder, you know, or making mm -hmm. um, Johnny Appleseed hats every September. And it can be a challenge. Um, fortunately, I think in my sense, I'm always wanting to learn something new. So I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, where, what is that that you're doing? What website is that? Can you show me? And I think honestly, having the spirit of always being a learner will definitely help veteran teachers. And you don't have to present it in, a, in the sense of like, I don't know anything. And so many veteran teachers, I have, um, I won't say that either. I know people. <laughs> I know people um, that honestly, they always say, you know, I'm getting older or I'm too old for that. Or, you know, my brain doesn't work that way or I can't learn that new technology. Yes, you can. Um, it's all about mindset and it's about openness and it's about vulnerability. And I would say be vulnerable because guess what, what you have that brand new teacher doesn't have. And honestly they need, and some things mm -hmm. that they have that you don't have, you honestly need from them as well. So I would say if you can find some kind of symbiotic way to approach it and know that asking a new teacher how to do something also doesn't demonstrate weakness or lack of, um, capability or knowledge base is just, Hey, I've been out of the, out of the class, not the classroom, I've been out of the, um, well, the college classroom for a little peek, you know, mm -hmm. what's happening or what's new. Um, and you might find that some things that are new are very fleeting, but if you can teach, that's the key. Cause I know I'll tell you a story about two years ago, we had, um, lightning hit our school and the power went out and the computers didn't come back up. Uh, no Promethean boards at that time. Oh, I know where you're going with this. Something. Um, veteran teachers were rocking and rolling the whole day. Those new teachers yeah. were like, what am I supposed to do? <laughs> sit at a desk and read a book. Uh, all my lessons are exactly. done for the day. I'm like, okay, take out a marker and some chart paper. Do what you have to do. But honestly, they there were teachers that were new that didn't teach that day because they didn't have the technology and they didn't have... I don't know, like a different knowledge base that often veteran teachers was back in the day. You know, we had a chalkboard or a whiteboard. And like I said, you can teach anything. And once you kind of get your, your grounding and your foundation, you really can rock and roll. But so I, honestly, I would say veteran teachers, same thing, ask questions and don't feel like there's no place for you. There's absolutely a place for you and room for you. And I would say don't, in a sense, don't, um, what would you call it? Like, don't slink away and don't kind of crawl into your hole and retire, you know, keep going, get out there. You have value, show your value, not in an, in an obnoxious or overpowering way, but, you know, be present and, you know, ask questions in meetings or make comments, but support also there, you know, there's a way to lead mm -hmm. and a time to lead. There's a time to follow as well. Yeah. Yeah. 
I think what you said about being a learner, I would also encourage new teachers to be mindful of that because I know for me, I came out of, I wouldn't say college, but out of my master's program that, so my master's program was essentially doing my first year of teaching along with my master's program at the same time. They were like looped Mm -hmm. together. And so everything that I was learning in my master's program was being taken back to my Mm -hmm. classroom like the very next day. It was very, it was a great program. And um, I remember in that program, them saying like, with all the support you get from this program, by the time you get done with your first year, you're really going to be at kind of like the level of a a teacher with three or four years of experience because you have that teacher in your classroom on a daily basis and you're coming to classes and learning Mm -hmm. best practices. And so I I left my first year kind of thinking, well, I know it all. Like I'm, you know, and so then when people would bring new ideas as a new teacher, I was like, no, I I know everything. And that was like kind of a pride check I had to do after a couple of years and realizing that, wait, even though I am the young one, and even though I do have my master's, there's still room for me to learn yes. and grow. Yes. And so I would encourage new teachers to also be mm-hmm. mindful of that, that, you know, yeah. don't get too prideful. I'm talking to first year teacher Kelly here. <laughs> it's true. It's to eat that humble pie on both yeah. sides. Yes. Yeah. 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 All right, you guys, it is the middle of the school year when this podcast is dropping into your queue. Are you counting down the days to Christmas break yet? This time of year is a great time to start looking at all your systems, your processes, and your routines and evaluating them on what's working and what's not. It's okay to change things mid-year. In fact, I actually think it's a great way to try something new with a set of kids that you already have an established relationship with. In just a couple weeks, in the beginning of December, I am launching the mid-year classroom tune-up course, and I am so excited about it. This course was created out of what you have asked for. I've gone to my email list, my social media, and I asked you, what are you struggling with right now? And here is some of what I've heard. Retaining student attention, keeping organized, staying consistent with routines and procedures, new teachers getting their first job in January, staying motivated. All those things came from the surveys that I asked people. And I cannot tell you how many times people said papers is what is stressing them out right now. It's too many to count. But y'all, every one of those things is being addressed in the mid-year classroom tune-up course that's launching in December. We're going to talk about time management, classroom organization, how you can revamp your classroom using my organization method. We're going to talk about classroom management when it comes to differentiation, consistency, keeping your kids focused. We'll also talk about how to handle returning from break and how you stay motivated and excited as a teacher. Because first-year teachers out there, if nobody has told you yet, I am telling you now, the beginning of the second semester is a lot like the beginning of the year. So you want to make sure you go back to the second semester with a plan in place. I'm also going to be throwing in some bonus materials to help you with organization and time management. You can get all the info over my website, thesimplyorganizedteacher.com. It's going to be launching the first week of December, so I recommend that you head over there now to the website, sign up for my email list, because those are going to be the people who hear about it first when it launches. So head to thesimplyorganizedteacher.com to sign up for the mid-year classroom tune-up course. So the reason I brought you on the podcast was because I really wanted to talk about what you talked about in your summit presentation, and it's the importance of student names. Mm -hmm. And 
I think that's a really valuable conversation uh, that needs to be happening. And, but I also think, I mean, sometimes it can be hard to, especially when you're working with students who come from different cultural backgrounds and have different pronunciations of names. And um, so I'd love to just hear what you have to say on that. Oh my gosh, that is, ooh, you got, you, and I know that you know this, but it's a topic that is like near and dear to my heart. Um, and I think in a sense for me, it kind of began probably like, you know how things are planted in you. You don't really, there's no reason or at the moment when you're younger, but when you get older, it's like, Oh, okay. This is the reason why I might've experienced this so that maybe I can be a, a blessing to somebody else. But, you know, growing up, my name is, um, Tania and it's spelled, you know, T-A-N-I-A and, but also culturally T-A-N-I-A is Tanya is in many other cultures, uh, or mm-hmm. if you're just not familiar, just like, oh, yeah, yeah, that I sounds like a Y and, you know, whatever. But I, Which is exactly what I asked you before we started recording. <laughs> exactly. Um, because, you know, my spelling in, I think in many Hispanic cultures is pronounced Tanya. Um, growing yeah. up, people mispronounce my name all, when I say all, I mean all the time. You know, when it's your name, you're like, you know, how hard can that be? It's so obvious, right? You know, but... Right. But when I was in school, it was mispronounced literally, I think, by like every teacher on the first day or the first week of school or um, even as an adult, it gets mispronounced quite a bit. And it got to the point when I was younger that my classmates would correct the teachers. I didn't have to say anything. They'd be like, it's Tania, you know, after a while. And it kind of hurts mm-hmm. your feelings because when you're in class and they're taking the role and there's that long pause you know, it's you. Do you know what I like? You mm-hmm. know, yeah, that, that's my name. Okay. It's I'm here. Good morning. You know, it's that kind of feeling and it kind of hurts your feelings. And it's kind of embarrassing because it happens all, mm-hmm. all the time and you kind of get known as like the kid with a name that nobody can pronounce in a sense. Do you know what I mean? Um, so it just became something that was really important to me or even working in a school. I work at a school that, um, Culturally speaking, when I first began working there, wasn't very um, diverse at all. I was one, gosh, when I was first, I think it was like one of two African-American classroom teachers in the entire school. But there were like, um, I think like the ESOL teacher was African-American and the speech teacher was, but very few people. And sometimes you would hear teachers that, you know, because, you know, all American teachers, you know, um, with names that are very, I think, common and, and very old fashioned and traditional, so to speak. And then you would have people make comments sometimes about kids' names that they couldn't pronounce or that they didn't know. And I think that people didn't mean harm or didn't realize that it, it you know, it had an impact or that that carries different like um, undertones at times. And it's just like, you mm-hmm. just kind of realize it. Or if I mispronounce someone's name or a student's name, like you can see that child's body language change in an instant when you mispronounce their name, even if it's like harmless, even if you don't make any comments about it or like jokes about it or anything, you can see their whole like demeanor, their whole spirit just changes and just kind of like shrinks and diminishes when you mispronounce their name. And I think that if you mispronounce it continuously, that sends a, a different message of like, I don't value you enough to learn your name or I don't see you as significant enough for me to take the, take the time to pronounce your name correctly. And I think that we damage little spirits and little souls and even grown up ones at times too, you know, of course, when we don't 
force ourselves to do the work. Because it really is about you doing the work and learning some kind of way to pronounce that person's name correctly. So what are some ways, and I think you shared about this a little bit on the, um, on the presentation, but what are some ways, like I'll share a story. Um, so I don't know if you know this, but I'm living in Germany right now. Um, and my, I tutor some kids, um, a couple times a week and, one of the little boys, his name, his, his name is Richard. Um, but within in the German language, that CH is like, it's uh, from the throat. It's uh, very like, <laughs> um, and so when I, when I met the kid, uh, his brother was with him and, you know, the little boy introduced himself. Yeah. I'm, I, I can't eat like my throat cannot make that noise, but I'm Richard or however he said it. And I, and I kept trying and kept trying. And finally his brother looked, you can just call him his American name, Richard. Oh. And I was like, like, I felt so bad because like, I do want to honor his name, but I also like really struggle to make that sound. And so, um, like, how do you balance that? Or how do you like practically, like, I remember I had a little boy um, when I was teaching back in the States and his given name was, uh, I believe it was like Il Defonso or something like that. Um, and, you know, it took me a couple of times to understand what yeah. he was saying. And then after like a day or two, he was like, everybody just calls me by and mm -hmm. I won't say his name because I don't want to give his whole name, but he basically, um, we called him by his middle name. That's what all of his friends called him, whatever. But then I also felt a little bit bad. Like, even though he gave me permission to call him, you know, by his middle name, and that's what literally everybody called him. Um, I just still felt bad that I wasn't honoring yes. the name given to him. So like, I'm being honest mm -hmm. and vulnerable mm -hmm. in, in the struggle of this, because I want to, I think other teachers probably struggle with this too. So I want to hear like your advice That's on that. Great. And, and I appreciate your vulnerable vulnerability. And I'll tell you uh, something similar that happened to me this year. And I'll answer your question also, but I had a little girl in my, she's in my class now, so I won't say her name, but um, she's Hispanic and her mother came with her, her sister and her brother. And when I introduced myself, I made it a point to introduce myself to her and not just her, her mother, her family. And I was like, hi, Mrs. Davis, you know, what's your name? And I kind of had an idea but she said it to me and her accent was so thick that I honestly did not hear what she said. And so I did allow myself in that one time to ask her to repeat herself. I still didn't catch her name. And so I spent, um, I'm just being honest with you also, I spent time like the entire, it was meet the teacher. So that entire period mm -hmm. that I had with them, I just didn't say her name because I'm like, oh my gosh, what did she say? I just couldn't get it. And I didn't want to ask yeah. her mother. I was like, don't ask her mother because she said it to you twice. Don't do that. So honestly, I like just in that time, just didn't say her name. But I spoke with her, interacted with her, da, 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 da. And she was like, I'm so happy to have you as my teacher. And I wanted you since last year. Then that made it worse because now I'm like, you know me and you like me. And I don't know how to say your name. This is awful. So honestly, just kind of like the beginning of the school year, I just kind of listened or like I'd hear like one or two of the other kids say it. And I'm like, okay, now I got it. So honestly, I would say forgive yourself and be forgiving of yourself. And if you can hear it 
and practice it privately. I would say practice it privately. If you can help it, try not to nickname kids or not that you did that. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying in general um, or like water down their name. There's a little girl at our school. Her name, she's from, I think, Vietnam, I want to say. Her name is Dam. And when I first met her, it was in the hallway, like the first couple of days of school. And I was like, hi, good morning, da-da-da. And she's like, stopped. And she was very friendly. And I said, well, Mrs. Davis. And I said, what's your name? She goes, my name is Jenny. And I looked at her and I said, your name is what? <laughs> she said, my name is Jenny. And I was like, and I'm like, how am I going to phrase this? Because she's only like seven. And I'm like, I know your name is not uh-huh. Jenny. In my mind, I'm thinking, no, culturally speaking, I know your name is not Jenny. And I forget what I said yeah. to her, but I, I said something in a very polite, respectful way. And I don't know if I asked her, like, what was her cultural name or what is her name that her mother called her? I said something. And she said, my name is Dam. Mm-hmm. So, like, in her culture, her name was Dam. And I don't know if teachers were like, I can't call you Dam all day long. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, <laughs> so people call her Jenny and that, that bothers me. I don't call her Jenny. I respect what she asked me to call. She asked me to call her Jenny. I call her Jenny, but, but, you know, I was like, Hmm, I don't know what that does to your spirit. You know, when somebody renames you, um, but to answer your question, I would say if you can find a way to practice it, if you can like politely record that child saying their name and take it back and you just listen and practice it. Or if you could be honest enough to say, you know what, in my culture, that that's that throaty sound isn't a part of our, you know, cultural vernacular or, you know, in, in our sound system. And I I can't make that sound, but I will do every effort I can to try. If I say your name like this and I'm missing a little bit of that, you know, does that bother you? I would say, honestly, be, be honest and, and open and vulnerable because I think kids get it. And they'll respect you more. I think if you just say, you know, I'm really trying. I'm having a hard time with that. And I'll tell the kids, I'm like, my name is Tania. Mm-hmm. And they're like, Tania. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I can see how you reacted to that. You know, so I think there's a, there's a beauty and yeah. honesty and vulnerability, but also trying. Or the little girl who I had, I mentioned in my uh, presentation, and the little girl whose name I couldn't pronounce, she wasn't my student, but I did like, I learned like hand motions. I'm like, okay. How can I get this in my mind? The same way we teach kids how to remember words sometimes. And I was like, her name was Chenaye. And for the life of me, she was the sister of a student that I had taught previously. So I didn't have to know her name, so to speak. But she would always mm-hmm. speak to me and I wanted to honor her. So finally, I was like, Chenaye in my mind. I'm like, ooh, Chenaye, like in my head, you know? Uh-huh. I finally learned her name. Yeah. So. Be vulnerable, I think. Find some kind of like maybe movement you can put with it. Ask politely or, or listen to another child say it even maybe or something if you need it to. Do you think as a kid that would have helped you if a teacher would have said to you, mm-hmm. like well, like what you're saying about being honest and being vulnerable? I do. And that's what I told um, the student. You know, I, I don't, in English, we don't make that sound and it's really difficult for me. Do you think as a kid that would have helped Honestly, yes. I think, I think the challenge of it as a kid was, was, wasn't necessarily the mispronunciation because I expected it after a while, you know, it was those teachers that didn't really care to try that I think really my feelings the Mm -hmm. most. And I, cause I mean, I had a substitute teacher one time that called me Tanika 
and I don't have any C's or K's in my, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like she was just like, oh, I'm just going to call you something and move on. And that was kind of like, I'm 45 and I can still tell you that story. Do you know what I mean? That was like 15 years ago. Right. So yeah. So it's more about the lack of respect yes, or the lack yeah. of mm-hmm. trying than the actual. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yes. I think so. You mentioned um, the story about the student with the name mm-hmm. Dam. And when I moved here, there was a woman who lived here in our building, actually from America. How yeah. random is that? Um, but she used to be a teacher yeah. as well. Uh, like I really thought I was like, God placed us in this building like on purpose so that I could have a mirror. I mean, they moved like a month after we um, oh. we moved in. They left back to the state. She told me that she had a student um, whose name was Fuck. Ooh. Like his given name in, I don't remember right. where he was from, but in, you know, an Asian mm-hmm. country. And she went to the parent and was like, I think she taught like middle school or high school too. So it's like even more. And was like trying to explain I to the parent, like, that. I can't call your kid this because, and the dad, you know, just like, I don't remember what happened, but I know that the dad was very upset. This is his name. This is his culture. And it's Ooh, like, I don't even know how you would handle that situation. Cause at least Dan, you know, is a little bit, um, it's not like yeah. right. quite as, in English language, the uh-huh. name isn't quite as uh, right, right. offensive, I guess. But I have a friend here who is mm-hmm. from Taiwan. And um, her, you know, when she introduced herself to me, she introduced herself as Victoria. Mm-hmm. And I was, same thing. That's your name. That's not your name. And I've, we're, we're actually good friends now. So I was over at her house one time and she was cooking me a traditional uh, meal from her, from her culture. And I asked her, I said, does it bother you at all that um, nobody calls you by your given name? And she said, no. She said, by this point, you know, I've lived in Germany for almost five years. Like I answer to Victoria and it just is, you know, a part of me now. But she did say that at one point, I guess she was having a bad day or maybe her and her husband were fighting or something. And her husband, like to get her attention, said her traditional, um, like her cultural name. And she said that in that moment, she felt very loved, like that he, I know. And I thought that was um, really cool because, you know, I was trying to be honest with her. I was like, if you want me to call, luckily her name isn't too (laughs) challenging to pronounce. Um, But I was like, if you want me to call you by your birth name, like I want to honor you you because it is so much of your identity your name really is Mm -hmm. and I and that's such a beautiful story and that brings home what we're talking about so perfectly because in that moment when she heard her name her given name the name Mm -hmm. that her mother and father spent time you know thinking about or planning or her grandma gave her whatever it made her feel loved in that moment and I think that's the whole you know kind of like the driving force behind the importance of pronouncing kids names correctly because it it honors you and values you. It's who you are. It's your spirit. And I think that that story kind of like brings it home right there, what you just shared. It's beautiful. Yeah. 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 It was a touching story. Okay. I want to wrap up real quick. I didn't really prepare you for this. Um, You mentioned, and so I assume this is Uh also something really important to you, the importance of establishing relationships with parents and families. 
So I assume that is something that um, you're really passionate about. So could you give us just quick two or three ways that you would encourage teachers to um, what they can practically do to establish those relationships with uh, the child's family? I think it starts, and I've shared this before, and I'll keep saying it because it's the honest truth. It starts, I think, from the very first, first moment that you interact with that parent. So like at our school, we do phone calls. Or if you can't do phone calls, when you meet them that first day at Meet the Teacher or Open House or whatever your school might have, I would say you have to be your most open and available self. And I'm a hugger. And I'll say, if they reach their hand out to me, I'm like, I'm a hugger. Is that okay with you? And it starts off with, I know that I'm a total stranger to you, but how are you? Welcome. I'm so glad to meet you. I cannot wait to be with your child. I mean, it's just a spirit of, I'm glad you're here honestly, because parents don't have a clue who you are. Maybe they've heard of you. Maybe you, you know, they've heard a few words about you or that you were recommended, who knows, but they genuinely don't know you. And I know when you're a teacher, you teach everybody, you love everybody, stranger in the store falls down or whatever, you pick them up or you talk to their children and it's natural for us, but parents often, whether they admit it or not, are a little bit intimidated and sometimes frightened and, and you're a stranger and will this person love my child and care for them? And if the boogeyman comes, will they protect my kid? Or, you know what I mean? And so I think if you can be just open and how are you? I'm so happy to see you have a conversation. And I know, and I hear it all the time, like people sometimes just want the parents to get in and get out. I have teacher friends mm-hmm. who, um, you know, you have the paperwork, that beginning of the year load of paperwork that they have to do. I have teacher friends that will like put it in an envelope and say, take it with you, send it with your child on Monday. I'm very much, please sit down and fill these out while you're here. And I walk around and I'm not saying this works for everybody, but I walk around and I make sure I sit down with every single parent that comes there. And if somebody new comes in, I'll say, excuse me. And I'm the same way. Hi, I'm Mrs. Davis. I'm so happy that you're here. Da, 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 da. This is what I need you to do for today. And I'll go back. But it starts honestly with time and investing time, being open. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I was sharing, I have children too. What'd you do this summer? Oh my goodness. You went so-and-so. I've been there before. I lived there. It's about having conversation and it's about opening yourself up to not necessarily in a friendly way because you want to be professional, but I think in a familial community, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're a part of me and your child's a part of me. And I think, and being available in all honesty, if you have any questions, let me know. And then I send emails often. I'm not going to lie. I send quite a few (laughs) emails, but the emails are very personable and it's like, hello, lovely families. And I always say families are not Parents, because there are foster kids, there are guardians, there are grandparents. So I always say, I mention it in the sense of families, and I write a detailed email or I might say something like about my kids this weekend, and not all the time, but you know, maybe this weekend I went to go see my daughter. Um, what did you, I hope you had a lovely fall break with your kids as well. But it's about, I think, being, I don't want to say more human, but I think just more open and available and not letting professionalism be like your chosen blockage, if that makes any sense. So you can be professional and still be open and vulnerable and honest and say, I don't know, or I'll find out. But I think just being like, I'm glad you're here, you know, in a sense. What I hear you saying is basically Mm -hmm. communicating that we're on the same team, that 
your, you want the best for your kid and I want the best for your kid too. And I think, yeah. yeah, because we do like, that's why we yeah, join the profession absolutely. that we do. And, and I'm here for you, but I also need you to be here for me. It's kind of like a, it goes both ways. And I think that once you show mm-hmm. parents that you're excited to see them and that you're going to love on their kid, then they're willing to be, I think, as open and available to you as well. Makes a big difference. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for your time this morning and for oh. sharing all this wisdom with us. Will you tell everybody where we can come find you and follow you and learn more from you? Oh, that's so sweet. First of all, thank you for having me. It has been an absolute delight and pleasure. And I'm honored that you asked me to take some time to speak with you um, and your beautiful audience. Um, you can find me on, let's see, Instagram at, um, at teach underscore me underscore T. Um, underscores that little line that goes down instead of the dash. Um, if, Cause I had a heart, I was like, what is that? An underscore, uh, but underscore and Facebook, I'm teach me T and on teachers pay teachers. My store is called teach me T um, Twitter. I'm also teach me T, but I'm at the number one teach okay. me T on Twitter. So teach me T basically. Google it or search it anywhere and you'll probably come up. Yeah. <laughs> come up. Yes. Well, thank you again so much. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you. All right, teachers, is it time to step up your school clothes? I think seriously that your outfit can make your day. Sometimes something as simple as a new outfit that you feel confident in can totally change your outlook on the day. So I've got something for you to make getting dressed for school in the morning way easier. Allison from Get Your Pretty On has a ton of wardrobe challenges that give you all the pieces you need to create the perfect outfit. What I love about this is that she tells you everything you need to buy, pants, shirt, dresses, shoes, bags, accessories. You go buy it and then she shows you how to make the outfit. Here's what you get when you purchase one of her wardrobe challenges. A capsule wardrobe shopping list of on-trend items and classic basics. You're free to shop where you want and spend as much or as little as you want. You get links to shop for recommended items online or in store. Allison has done all the hard work for you by choosing items to suit every budget and body type. You also get a beautifully designed printable outfit guide so you can hang it in your closet when you need some inspiration. Seriously, y'all, this is so genius. She calls them a challenge, but there's not really anything about it that's a challenge. She just tells you what you need to buy and how you can style it and wear it so many different ways. And that's another thing I love about this. The challenge I used gave me the essentials I needed and then showed me all the different ways that I could put these pieces together to create different outfits. So each day I can leave the house wearing some of the same pieces, but in a completely different way each time. Each season, she comes up with an updated guide for that season. Plus, she has a workwear challenge, a closet staples challenge, and even a challenge for stay-at-home moms. So I know we probably don't have many of those listening to the podcast, but during the summer, we're kind of like stay-at-home moms, right? And we should look cute doing it. Then, have no fear. There are even a couple challenges for you if you're interested. If you want to get access to your style challenge, then head to the simplyorganizedteacher.com slash resources. It's on my website right there. It'll link you straight to the Get Your Pretty On website where you can go and buy your challenge. See, I told you all that Tania is so sweet and so kind. 
I enjoyed talking to her and I really appreciated her advice and I guess permission to have grace. To be honest, I felt a little bit hesitant about sharing these two stories with the two students and their names and the difficulty I had pronouncing them because it's the internet and people can be mean and, and judge people not knowing their intentions or their heart behind things. But I wanted to be honest because I know that these are real things that teachers that are listening right now are struggling about, are struggling with and thinking about the whole difficulty pronouncing a name that isn't, um, has sounds that aren't in our language or a name that is not in our culture. So it's different for us. So I really appreciated Tania's um, grace for that. And I appreciated her wisdom and her ideas about actually going home and practicing the name, but most importantly, to be honest with our students. I think our kids value that a lot when we can be honest with them about all sorts of things, but especially being honest about the difficulty in pronouncing a name. But at the end of the day, what is important is that we communicate and show them that we care and we honor who they are and the name they were given. So thank you so much, Tania, for all of your advice and for your wisdom and for your grace. And thank you for joining me on this episode. I appreciate having you on this journey with me. So if you want to support the podcast, you can do one of three things or all three. You can leave a rating review over on iTunes. You can sign up for the newsletter at bit.ly slash mail, where I send weekly teaching support and encouragement. Or you can also check out the TSOT shop. I've got some resources on there and you can go check them out, buy them. You purchasing from the Simply Organized Teacher Shop helps me to keep this podcast and this blog running and I so appreciate it. All right, you guys, y'all have a great week. I will talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Simply Teach. Remember all the show notes, links to things we talked about, and access to the Simply Organized Teacher email list is all over my website, thesimplyorganizedteacher.com. Also, you can find me on Instagram at thesimplyorganizedteacher. Guys, I want to be your social media friend. I want to interact with you, so come find me. The fun music you're listening to, that's provided by hooksounds.com.